everyone. I'm Anka Corbin, your host on this Moving Fast Tech podcast. So I'm excited to introduce to you today, Natty Zola. Um, Natty's a partner in Matchstick Ventures. It's an early stage technology investor. So Natty was also, though, the managing director for six tech stars, accelerators. He's invested in over 80 companies and he's mentored over 200 companies. Um, Natty was also a startup founder who sold his company to AOL. So as you can see, amazing experience. And the topic we're going to talk about today is what investors are looking for from the CTOs during a funding exercise and how tech leaders can best prepare. Natty, welcome. And thank you so much for joining me today on the Moving Fast Tech podcast and just sharing your thoughts. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So as you know, the Moving Fast Tech podcast, it's a free-flowing format, and I'm going to ask you some questions, and then it's up to you where you would like to take this discussion. So, all right, so let's get started. So how should CTOs prepare for investor due diligence, and what actually, what's prepared look like? Yeah, it's a great topic because most often we talk about what is the CEO doing who's usually leading those conversations, but what should the rest of the team do? And I actually get this question a lot from companies that I'm mentoring. And it's probably not talked about enough. So the first thing I'd say is all investors are different. So the advice that I give or the stories I'll share, just know that your results may vary just because investors all have different processes, different interests, and different ways they like to do things. But I do think there's some general best practices that I can share that might be helpful to everyone. So first and foremost, usually it's the CEO who's leading the conversations. Um, that's just due to the nature of sort of how it works and what investors are expecting. But in my opinion, it's really good for the co-founders and especially the CTO to be pretty involved. Obviously, that's a little bit of a trade-off because that person could be writing software, could be leading their team. And so looping them into the process does take resources away from the company. But I think the CTO's involvement will make a difference in getting investors excited. And the CTO can also help the CEO read the signals of the investor and sort of diligence the investor as well. When usually the CEO is so focused on getting the meetings, impressing, making sure the story is really well communicated, the CTO can sit there and, and really cue in on those, oh, those nonverbal or verbal cues and write down the questions that the person answered and really sort of be a sanity check for the for the CEO. So yeah, uh, I think you asked what prepared looks like. So for a, for a what a, what an investor is looking for is is a strong tech leader. That doesn't necessarily mean that that person is going to scale to be the CTO through the whole life of the company, but at least at that stage that that investor is investing, does the CTO have the experience and skills necessary to ensure the feasibility of the company? can happen. So um, are they able to build the first version of the product? Are they able to, to launch it? Are they able to get customers using it? Is it not buggy? So really just want to check the box there that there's there's solid tech leadership and that the product can be built. I will say one last thing on this is that in the last few years, I've seen much less of a focus from investors on the risk around the technology being able to be built for a company. And so there's less diligence required on a CTO at this in this market, right or wrong. It's just what I've seen happen. It doesn't mean that there's none, but the market's so hot, investors are making decisions relatively quickly. So they're not digging as much as they used to into the tech stack and the and the capacity and capabilities of the CTO. So 
that's just the nature of the market. I, I don't know that that will be your case as an entrepreneur or a CTO, but it is what I'm seeing right now. Um, yeah, those are some initial thoughts. That's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that. But if they do look at the tech stack, what are some of the most important factors that investors are going to consider? Is it the tech use, stability, scalability? You know, are there some kind of things that they might hone into just to be prepared and have maybe, you know, something that you can showcase or, you know, just have available or are there, is there really no consistency between what might be looked at? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not super consistent across investors. Just like I mentioned earlier, every investor is sort of looking for different things and have, it has a different threshold, but and it also depends what stage you're at too. So if you're a pre-seed or a seed stage company, which typically is um, the stage where, well, pre-seed is more anywhere from like idea to we have a prototype built. Seed is like a prototype built to we have early users on the product. Series A is product is, is, has some product market fit and is scaling and we're getting revenue or significant amount of users. So depending upon, and I'm only talking about the earliest stages, um, you know, series B and C and beyond have different requirements, but those earliest stages, it could depend on what stage you're at, what the, what the investors are looking for in the tech stack. Um, I would say like the way that I think about it is that there are sort of like three things that investors are looking for when they're going to invest in a company. The first is feasibility. So is it even possible to create this technology or this innovation? The second is desirability. Do people want this? And is there a, a demonstrated um, demand in the market? Is it a problem worth solving? Is it a problem that has a lot of urgency and scale around it? And then the third is, is it viable? So viability and viability is this thought around like, well, if this works, how big could it get? Are there good unit economics? Is there a good business model around it? And so what I think that investors are looking for when they're evaluating tech stack is much more on that feasibility component of things, which is like, can this be built? And so it depends what type of company you're building. If you're building a deep tech company, maybe AI, maybe a bunch of machine learning, you know, that feasibility piece is a bigger question. So they might dig in more and really try to understand what have you built? What are you building? What, uh, what's defensible? What's unique? What's hard? If your company is more of a business model innovation and the technology isn't that important or core to it, the feasibility question may be much lower and therefore there's less diligence around the tech stack. And they may be more comfortable with you using off-the-shelf software, other libraries, SDKs, just because the tech isn't the core innovation or asset, it's more the business model. And so it does depend on what type of company you're building. But I would say if you had to distill it down at the end of the day, investors want to know, does the tech work? What's the core asset that's being created? And uh, is the technical team capable to take the company through those early stages? So you had already mentioned a little bit of, of how it might differ for different stages or different seed levels of investment, as you've mentioned earlier. Can we dive into that a little bit more and say, you know, for each of these things that you mentioned, how important are they at some of the different stages, right? Is stability maybe more critical at the seed seed stage level or actually later stages of investment? Yeah, yeah, it, it does de depend by stage. And I, I think the way, a, a loose way of thinking about this would be, so if you're in that pre-seed or seed phase, sort of let's call it like pre-series A before series A, you know, frankly, these nomenclature around the rounds are sort of like constructs in their own right, but that's a separate thing. But if you're pre-seed and seed, I think the real question here is, does it Work. So scalability, reliability matter a little bit, but not nearly as much of does the product actually work 
And is that feasibility question sort of off the table or getting answered? And again, it matters how, how hard the technology is to build, but like generally, is it feasible? Does it work? And, and that's sort of the responsibility of the CTO. The responsibility of the CEO at that pre-Series A stage is, is it desirable? So they're out there talking to customers, are they making sure they understand how people are using it, that it's solving a real problem. And so that's a nice separation of responsibilities pre-Series A, where the CTO is like, prove we can build the technology, prove that it exists, prove that it works, CEO leading like the desirability question. And then I think that you can you can kind of punt a little bit on the stability side of things, unless that desirability requires a level of scale. So like, let's say you're building some technology that needs to, that, it, that, that the value is that it's highly it's really fast and highly performant or whatever. So that might be lumped into the feasibility question. And in that case, um, you know, stability might matter, but it, so it really depends on, you know, what is that kind of like minimum viable product that you're getting in market to prove desirability around. Once you get post series A, I think that's when the questions really come in around scalability and um, stability, because then once you're at series A or beyond, you usually have revenue, you have customers, and it really is important that you're not churning those customers or losing those users because of the performance of the product. And when you raise series A, you're really shifting the spend from the way that I generally think about it is pre-series A, 80% of your the capital you raise or the money that you're spending on the company is in like product and technology and sort of like proving you can do it and 20% is on growth. At series A, you almost flip that. So 80% of the money should be put into growth and 20% into product or technology. And so if you're doing 80% of the capital into growth and scaling, then it really does matter that the product and the technology can scale. So post-series A, you are that that becomes much more of a consistent consistent requirement from investors or just, you know, from a business lens. Um, and that's really where you're proving out that third piece, which is viability. Like how big can this get? What are, what do the unit economics work out? And so to prove all that out, you do need um, some more of those, those components. So the CTO, I would imagine has a growing role as future funding rounds, right? Yeah, I think that's probably true. Although, you know, it's so important in those first rounds that investors feel comfortable that the technology can be built. Like, I don't know, this is sort of the nature of the market right now, but there are so many startups out there that I think investors right now are not taking much risk on if the product can be built. 10 years ago, when actually I started my company 12 years ago, 12 years ago, I noticed that a big question investors were asking was digging in and like, can you build this technology? And due to the nature of the market right now, so many startups, a lot more software, open source software, a lot more off the shelf software, bringing the bar down in terms of the level of technical ability to be able to start a company, no code tools, like all of these things have made it such that maybe the bigger question for most startups is that desirability question, not the feasibility. And so that's made the, the technical leadership maybe slightly less important in fundraising right now, but I don't think that it's, you know, not important. It's not, it's only shifted down a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, of course, if you have a great technical team or you're a great CTO, like you should be be really flaunting that with investors and, and that being a key part of your story, because that 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 is a real strength too, especially in this market where, you know, differentiation might come through the technology. Having a really great team is worth, is worth really promoting. Absolutely. You know, that kind of leads right into the question that I was going to ask you is, we all know that the team is really important, but how important is the team in a funding exercise and how can the CTO instill confidence in their team? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that, you know, this other leadership outside of the CEO is so important. And I mean, not not just from the lens of fundraising. I know we're talking about from the lens of fundraising here, because that's my world. And I, I appreciate that lens. But, you know, I always feel like it's a little weird to make recommendations for things that aren't actually just good for the business in its own right for investors. And so I don't I don't think any of these recommendations that I'm making, you would do just for the sake of investors. And ideally, like, you know, you wouldn't have to do much differently to appeal to investors than what you're doing. And so this is probably more of a question of just, you know, how do you be a great CTO than how do you be a great CTO for investors and, you know, instilling confidence in your team, regardless of if you raise capital or not. And so I do think all of those key roles outside of the the CEO are so important. The CEO tends to get a little bit more attention during the fundraising process because they tend to lead that. But you know, without a great technical team, without a great, uh, you know, supporting cast, like they can't do what they're going to do and the company's unlikely to raise money. So I would say, yeah, maybe this is just more of a, a CTO leadership question. And I've been, I've been lucky to work with a lot of CTOs that have done well. And, and some stories that come up for me around the best are the ones that really know when to make the technical decisions themselves and when to let their teams make those decisions. And that's really hard, I think, to know like where you draw that line. But the more that the CTOs that I've seen that did more empowerment of their teams have performed better, because as we all know, um, and I'm, I'm a self-taught engineer myself, like it's fun to make and, and rewarding to make your own decisions. And so setting up a culture that does that and builds in kind of the boundaries or parameters or guardrails so that people know how to make decisions within the company. And then you let your team make those decisions. One one CTO that I worked with had this great thing where every time something went wrong in the company, uh, actually, this would probably be the, the main thing I would say to instill confidence in your team. What they did was incredible was whenever something went wrong, instead of sort of trying to figure out like who screwed up or, you know, who, who submitted the, you know, bug and it was always like a five whys exercise or five what happens versus sort of like the five who's. And I think Mm -hmm. like a lot of people default to this five who's, which is like, okay, so who did that? Let's go sort of interrogate them, whether they mean it as an interrogation or not. But this this CTO was just so good at, at, at realizing that everyone's trying to do their best job. No one's trying to screw up the project here. And it's, and so it's more of a systemic mistake if something doesn't work or we make, make a mistake, then it's anyone to blame. And gosh, that really just empowered the team and everyone felt so confident. People were writing better code. They were shipping more often because they knew that it was always the default was to understand what's wrong in the system or the process, not like who made a mistake or who's to blame for something. So that that was just so powerful to see that. And that's scaled for that CTO for a long time. I mean, it's still scaled. So that's uh, maybe that's like a, um, a good story to share on that. Absolutely. That's a great story. As we close out this um, podcast, do you have any other advice for CTOs when interacting with investors? Any things to really watch out for or prepare for or just to consider? Yeah, I do. So I'd say first is just be yourself. Like I think, unfortunately, there's this perceived power dynamic with investors where the investors have the power and they're these sort of like people that the startup founders need to impress. And and that's unfortunate. And it's sort of a legacy of the past. And I think it's changing, but it still exists. And so the best thing to do is be yourself. And, And in that same spirit, remember this sort of mindset shift that I work with founders on, which is you're you're not trying to seek capital from these investors. You are offering the investors a great opportunity to buy company in your stock at the earliest phases. And you're and you're really gifting them an opportunity versus needing them. And it's a slight mindset shift and you can't overdo it so that you get like too cocky in it, but it really does shift the the 
the energy in the room. I know that sounds a little like woo woo, but it really shifts the energy when you show up and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm here to offer this investor a great opportunity versus gosh, I really hope this investor invests like, you know, this impressive potential, you know, quote unquote, successful person. I hope they like us. It really just like flips a little bit of the hour dynamic. And I think that's really powerful, not only for the CEO, but also the CTO and other leaders. Um, last thing, or maybe another thing I'd say is a lot of times the CEO is really in the weeds and they're sort of like very stressed about these meetings and they are back to back and they're usually leading them and they're giving the pitch over and over again. So the CTO or other people in the room can do a really good job of empowering the CEO by keeping track of notes, writing down questions, paying attention to all of the little like cues that are happening in those rooms or on those Zoom calls or whatever it is, because those things usually the CEO misses because they're so focused on delivering the message. And that all of that is additional data to help you diligence the investors as well, because hopefully you you also are selecting these investors that you want to work with since you're going to work with them for a long time. So not only should I don't think the CTO or other leaders should just be sitting there kind of waiting till a question's answered asked of them. They should be really like helping enable the CEO and and doing all of this like sort of tracking the the energy in the room as well. And then the last thing I'd say is is just be honest. You know, don't need to oversell the technology that you built or the stack, like just be straightforward, be candid. You know, most investors are like love technology, so they're probably excited to talk with you. And so just, yeah, be yourself, help the CEO, pay, pay attention to those small cues and keep track of things, be honest. And, and then maybe last thing is smile. Like I can't tell you how much it matters to smile in a room with, with someone else because maybe the investor is back to back with a lot of meetings and, and they'll notice that, hey, you smiled or you brought like, positive energy into the room. And I feel like I've used energy a lot on this podcast. Uh, I am from Boulder, but uh, I do think that stuff ends up mattering in the long run because these are these are real actually about relationships, not about transactions. And people want to work with people who they connect with, whether that's like they're conscious of that connection or it's a subconscious connection. <laughs> these are super, super great insights. I found them to be very helpful and I know our listeners will too. Natty, I want to thank you so much for sharing your experiences, and I'm sure our listeners will find your insights super, super interesting too. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you again for being our guest today. Thank you. So listeners, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast channel and join us next time for another awesome Moving Fast Tech podcast so you can hear from industry leaders about tech leadership challenges, the latest technology they're considering, preparing their company for the future, and other really interesting tech topics.